And now that I've dismissed half my audience, take your Bibles if you would. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We are going this morning to look at the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. So blessed to have uh, Brother Andre bring us the word last Sunday. He had 20 verses. I only have three. Fear not. I'll be able to fill the time. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. So what I want to talk about this morning is this reality of faith. That is the title for our sermon this morning, Faith. We want to define what it is, at least in part, as the author of Hebrews does for his audience. Back up with me, if you would, into chapter 10, where in verse 35, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, but you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while. The coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And some have pointed out that the author of Hebrews, the author slash pastor, could have then jumped to chapter 12 and immediately into application. He has shared with his audience The reality that although they are currently facing persecution and will face more, therefore are tempted to go back to Judaism, they don't want to rock the boat or make waves, they just want to sort of get along and just have everything be quiet and comfortable, and if that means that they have to revert back to Judaism from Christianity, then some are contemplating it, and the author or the pastor says, don't do that. Have confidence in God, and even if it takes some time to see his full salvation, don't shrink back, and you are not of those who do so. Therefore, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But he doesn't do that. He spends a whole chapter in part defining what faith is, and then the bulk of which he gives to examples of those from the past who have had faith, examples that he references in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, as the great cloud of witnesses. We are not the only ones who have faced persecution, and we are not the only ones who have struggled. Many have gone before us, but they have been examples to us of what it means to have faith in God. So you can move forward. You can have faith in him. You can stick with Jesus and not abandon him when the going gets tough. And so what he wants to do then in between chapters 10 and 12 is define for us, at least in part, what faith is and then give us a bunch of examples of that faith lived out. Now, if you ask somebody to define what faith is, you'll get a lot of different definitions, It might be like having faith that the Maple Leafs can come back from being down 3-0 in a series and win. Well, as Leaf fans know, the object of your faith is very important. And if the object of your faith is the Maple Leafs, (laughs) my tear-stained jersey is back in the closet. And we'll reemerge next season. 
We, we believed. <laughs> and it just was not to be. So that type of belief and faith and confidence is not really what we are looking for. To apply it this morning to Mother's Day, mothering as an activity and as a relationship requires much faith because it is a long-term process. Mothering, like pastoring and other realities, thinks in terms of decades instead of days. It's a long-term venture. Therefore, it requires a lot of faith. That this little one, that I'm not sure I have any idea how to care for, will grow up to be a son or daughter that I have invested in and that they will glorify God as I pray that they will. Faith can't be in yourself, and it certainly can't be in the child, but must be in God for that venture. Mothering is a faith-filled activity and relationship, and in many ways matches the actual biblical definition of faith, because our object of our faith in that venture is God, that he will do in the life of our children what only he can There are those that take faith and put it in sort of contrast to and competition with science and reality and say, you have faith and that's great for you, but I believe in facts. I believe in cold, hard reason and rationale and science. But of course, that is also not a good definition of faith. I've defined faith this way in the past and This illustration helps. Faith is similar to getting onto an airplane. You have somebody who does not have faith in airplanes. Doesn't mean they don't believe airplanes exist. They just don't get on one. I'm quite content with my feet on firm ground. If man was intended to fly, he would have wings. Now you can go different routes with this individual. You can go the data route. You're more likely to get chomped on by a shark than you are to go down in a plane crash. You can go to all the stats and share that with your friend who does not have faith in airplanes, but it does not persuade them. You can talk to them about the safety regulations, take them to a Boeing plant and show them the rigorous quality control that takes place before a plane even leaves the production facility. You can show them a plane being built. You can give them the track record of human flight. You can even use personal experience. I've flown many times, never had a problem. You can share all these things with this individual. But if they don't have faith, they're not getting on the plane. Faith is not believing in something in the absence of facts. Faith is not believing in something even though there is the presence of facts. We have faith in the word of God. We have faith in God and that he exists. We have faith in Jesus Christ and his life and death and his burial and resurrection and his ascension. We have faith in those things. Not because they don't have evidence for them, but because there is much evidence for them. But even in the face of evidence, you still have to believe. You still have to have trust. You still have to have confidence. 
Now, to extend that metaphor just a little bit more, as one of the commentators brought out this week, this commentator was mentioning that he is a pilot, and he pilots single-engine aircraft, Cessnas and the like, small aircraft. And as he's standing on the eastern seaboard, he can look across and say, I can fly to the UK. No problem. I got the skills, the know-how, the flight hours. I can do this. But if he gets into his Cessna, he will not make it to the UK. Not because his faith is not strong, because the object of his faith is not able. But if he gets into a Boeing 747 or 737, then he has reason to have faith. So it is not just faith as an entity, but the object of our faith that is also of vital importance. And is that to which we turn our attention this morning. So follow along with me, if you would, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the word of God. Now again, you could read verse 1 and be tempted to believe that, this, that the definition of faith that is oftentimes misused when it is compared with things like reason and science is what the author is saying. We're just hopeful. I really hope that pink unicorns exist. A phrase you never thought you'd come out of my mouth. I just hope, I just have faith. That's not what the author is saying. He's saying based on the evidence of the promises of God and God's fulfillment of all of his promises, we have good reason to have confidence and trust in him that the things we hope for because of the promises that he has made will come to pass. And he's going to give us a whole bunch of examples, starting in verse 4, of individuals who had that faith. But also it's the conviction of things not seen, not things that are invisible or things that don't exist, but things that we were not personally there to experience, one of which he's going to reference in verse 3, the creation of the world. There's good evidence that the world was created by a designer. We weren't there to see it, but by faith we believe it. Not because it goes against the evidence or because there's a lack of evidence, but because the evidence is there and we believe and trust. Good definition of faith comes from our friend John Owen, one of the Puritans. It is faith alone, which from the beginning of the world hath been the only principle in the church of the living God, of obtaining the promises, of inheriting life eternal, and doth continue so to be unto the consummation of all things. The topic to which the author of Hebrews turns our attention this morning is of vital importance because it is foundational to a relationship with God. It is foundational to hope. It is foundational to endurance and perseverance, especially under persecution. It is faith which brings us into relationship with God and which keeps us there. 
And so let's see some things that faith are from this passage. First, from that word assurance, a number of things. Faith, first of all, is substantive. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn back to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. This is one of some other uses of this identical Greek word in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. He, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. That word exact imprint is the same word that the author slash pastor uses for assurance. There's substance here to our faith. Jesus says to his disciples, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Because one of his disciples asked, show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John 1.18, nobody has seen God any time, but the Son declares him. Knowing Jesus, seeing Jesus, is the same as seeing God, because he is God. And so a Christian who trusts in God and God's character reveals in that act part of God's character, the character of the one he has faith in. It, it has substance to it, has weight to it. That God has a character of being a promise-making and a promise-keeping God, and when someone believes that, it gives that fact more weight, if we can put it that way. We've all been helped, I hope, by other people's faith, especially in times of trouble, which is one of the reasons why the author is going to give us a litany of examples of people that have followed God, even and especially in difficult times. It's hard to walk the path of infertility. My wife and I have not walked that path personally, but we've walked with people who have walked that path. It's difficult, and it's hard to have hope, and it's hard to trust and have confidence. And the author of Hebrews is going to take us to individuals who also struggled with infertility. In fact, the first three couples, the first three of the patriarchs of the nation of Israel all struggled with infertility. It's a hard path to walk. To go to a place that you don't know, that you do feel, though, that God is calling you to. To step out and make that step. It's a difficult thing to do. And Abraham was called to do that. And it is an example for us of that. There's weight to our faith. Not because of us and our faith, but because of the object of that faith. And when we say, God says it and so I trust it, it gives weight to that reality. In a similar way that Christ reveals God, we can reveal God to others when we trust him. When we are assured and confident in him and in his character and his promises. Faith is also then foundational. This Greek word means that which stands under. It is the foundation of our relationship with God, faith. Not in a wishful thinking type way, not in a way that says, I, I'm hope, I hope, 
I, I don't really know, but I hope God exists. And maybe one day if I'm sort of good enough, I might get to see him. Maybe I don't really know. That's not faith. Faith is a certainty. It is a stable belief. It is something that is foundational to everything. How can we live the way we live without faith in God? How can these individuals that the author says in chapter 10 gladly put up with and tolerate the stealing of their property? How? Because they have faith that God who saved them, is saving them, and will one day save them, has so much more in store than the things of this life. Jesus said, if you follow me, you will in the life to come receive eternal life, and in this life receive a hundredfold. Individuals that are single, look around you. These are your family. These are your brothers and sisters. What did Jesus say in the synagogue? People come to him and say, your mother and your brothers are calling for you. And Jesus says, these are my brothers and sisters. God has given us a family not only here at Grace, but across our region, across our country, and across our globe. And right now, as we are here worshiping God together through the preached word and the singing of the word and the praying of the word and the reading of the word, there are people around the world that are doing the same, either already have or yet will because of the time differences. What a joy to be linked together with a broader family of God. Faith is foundational to our relationship with God. It is the rock on which we stand, that we believe that he is and that his promises are true. Faith also gives us confident assurance. It's one of the reasons why the ESV and other translations uh, uh, translate the word this way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Go to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 14 if you would. 3.14. Hebrews 3.14, the pastor says, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. This is another way that this word is used and translated in this same letter slash sermon. This foundation, the sure foundation of trusting in, believing in God and his character and his promises gives us confidence, gives us assurance. How can we use our money the way that God has called us to? How can we raise our children the way that God has called us to? How can we even have children that God has called us to? All of these things and many more require faith, but faith in God, that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do, that gives us confident assurance. And lastly, faith is a guarantee. Another way that this word is used is as a down payment. It's a guarantee. We know that God has always been faithful in the past. We have our own stories and the stories of many others, some of which are contained later on in this chapter. And so the God that has made promises always keeps them. And so our belief in those promises 
is to us a guarantee, a down payment, a deposit against the full realization of those promises completed. We need to trust in God, not just in the beginning when we pray a prayer or walk an aisle or sign a card. Our faith is something that brings us into and sustains us in an ongoing eternal relationship with the one who made us. The opposite of faith is unbelief, doubt. And the writer of Hebrews, knowing the precarious position of his audience and not fully knowing the future, but preparing them for it, he says, have faith. And this is what faith is. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not wringing my hands and I hope so. Faith is not faith in faith or faith in me or faith in someone else or faith in the government or faith in medicine or faith in science or faith in any of these things. Biblical faith is trust and belief in the one who spoke all things into existence. A rock solid, confident assurance in the one who has called us into relationship with him and will bring us all the way to him. That is faith. Notice then that he follows this up with the conviction of things not seen. And so, taken together in the first place, faith makes the future sure. Take your Bibles with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. Faith, the writer of Hebrews says, is the assurance of things hoped for. We have a sure future, which allows us to live fully in the present. Romans 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. How many of you enjoy waiting? You just go around town and you look for the largest line in the biggest store and say, that's my jam. We don't enjoy waiting. We certainly don't enjoy waiting for an indeterminate period of time. I've experienced that in brief in my life. Wrote an article on it. Share that with anyone who like, would like it. But it's, it's similar to being on hold. Your call is very important to us. Yes, I can see that. How long is this going to be? Faith is the foundation that gives us hope and hope gives us patient endurance. God has said that he will make all things new. God has said that he will return as he came the first time, he is coming the second. God has said all those things. And so we wait, not as those who have no hope, but those who do have hope. Knowing that, as we learned and were reminded of yesterday, the king is coming back, the king will return. We have hope. And this, again, is not sort of a shallow, eh, I hope so. This is a firm confidence in the God who is the one who makes promises and always keeps them. 
as he has been faithful to all of these people that we're going to see next week and so many more and to us. He will always be faithful. And he has shared with us what the future is. We have hope that it will be that. It will come to pass. Faith also then makes God's perspective real. It is the conviction of things not seen. And again, what does he mean by that? Things that we invent in our minds that we just hope are true? No, it's things from the past that we were not there to personally experience and witness. And also in the present, realities that we do not see, but are very real. The world we can't see is more real than the world that we can. Our world is upside down. God's world is upside right. It's oftentimes difficult for us to remember that because we live in the world that we can see and we often forget about the world that we can't. I love that story from Elisha. The Assyrians have them surrounded. The servant is freaking out. Our death is imminent and it will be bloody and gruesome. And Elisha kind of comes out, what's going on? We're surrounded. God, open his eyes. Help him to see that there are more with us than are with them. And in that moment, I can't imagine what was going through that servant's head. Elisha, not a mathematician, but I count two and more than two. And then God opens his eyes. What does he see? The chariot beam of God. And the Assyrian struck with blindness. Don't even have to lift a hand. Now, is that always going to happen? No. And Hebrews 11 says that. But the reality is God is real. And even though he is unseen, he is no less real. In fact, he's more real than the things that we can see. From the past, in the present, and on into the future. Faith, certainty in God. Belief and trust in him gives us his perspective on things. Notice then the second place this morning, faith's commendation. How were the people of old commended? For by it, faith, the people of old received their commendation. By it, faith alone. There are plaques and monuments and statues and books written about and days held in honor of many people from down throughout history. But you won't find anybody from the list in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 4 through 40 that have statues or plaques or days in their honor. Because God doesn't view things as we do. Out of all the people that are putting their money in the offering, who does Jesus point out? The widow that nobody sees. Out of all the sons of Jesse, who does God choose? The one who's not even in there in the lineup. God looks at the heart. And this hall of heroes, the hall of faith as it's known, as we're going to see next week, is full of a list of names that don't mean much in broader culture and society. But they are individuals who simply trusted that what God said would come to pass and who God was, was true. And that's what he calls us to. 
And the faith is in God. For by it, faith in God, the people of old receive their commendation. What message does a group of persecuted people need to hear? The message of Hebrews says, trust in God. Again, the attitude of the four friends, or uh, uh, the three friends, sorry, of, of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar says, all right, guys, orchestra's ready to go, conductor's got the, the baton. I'm going to play this music one more time, and uh, let's see some bowing here, shall we? And in love, not out of disrespect, I just say to Nebuchadnezzar, you can put on a full Spotify playlist, if you like, for four hours. No matter how much music you play, we are not going to bend the knee to this statue of you because we bend the knee to the one true God. And whether he rescues us or not, we trust him. Because if it delivers us, all praise to him. And if he doesn't, we're in his presence and we won't care anymore. <laughs> so thanks be to God either way. And it's not an arrogance. It's just a simple faith. Trust in God. And in that situation, God works a miracle. In other situations, he doesn't. And that's all up to him, and either way, his name be praised. And then in verse 3, in the third place this morning, we see faith's enlightenment. This was sort of clued up for us, queued up for us at the back half of verse 1, but it's it comes here and it seems a bit out of place until you realize how the author of Hebrews, the pastor, kind of brings it in. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What is one of the baseline realities of faith is that God is. God is the creator. All of this was made by him and he is over it all. What did Jesus say before Pilate? Two things that we want to highlight at least this morning. One, my kingdom is not of this world. It's said that Alexander the Great at age 33 wept because there were no more worlds to conquer. And shortly thereafter he died. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died at about the same age and is the King of kings and Lord of lords over the entire universe. It's not of this world. And then he says to Pilate, and you have no power and authority then, but only as my Father gives it to you. Having a trust, a belief, a confidence in the evidence that shows and the word of God that displays and proclaims that there is a God who has created all things, ballasts us, grounds us, helps everything else make sense, helps us live in relationship with him, helps us understand that the things that we see are not going to last forever. But the way things are going are not the way they're going to end up, despite how it feels sometimes. That the power structures of the world are not actually in charge. As humans who do not believe in God scrabble over table scraps, God gives and grants to all who believe in him life abundant and life eternal. So much better. Creation then reveals her creator. 
what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We do not believe in God in the absence of the evidence or, or even though there is contradictory evidence. We believe in God because of the evidence. But the evidence alone is not enough. We still need God to open our hearts and minds so that we can see him as he truly is and call us to himself. And so our response this morning then, do we have faith in God's character that gives us hope to trust him always? It can be easy to trust and hope in things that we can see and can it be easy to trust and hope in things that are the way that we want them to be? It's not easy to trust and hope when God calls us to wait. It's not easy to trust and hope when God calls us to walk through something we were not prepared for and we do not want. It's hard. It's hard to believe and trust in those moments that the one who is over all and who's who, who is already in the future, that his way is best and his path is sure. But it is that that God has called us to, and it's the foundation of our relationship with him. It's the thing that produces hope, and hope lived out produces patient endurance. I've told our senior saints here at Grace Baptist not to tell anybody, but they're one of my favorite groups here at Grace Baptist Church. And there's many reasons. But one of those reasons is, when you've lived that long in faith to God, that is a powerful witness a powerful witness. You don't have to have written books. You don't have to have built buildings or done those types of things. But a steady trust in the same direction over a long period of time is a powerful witness to the reality of God. Spend some time with our senior saints. They've got amazing stories to tell. And through the ups and through the downs, to cling to Jesus is what we're all called to do. And so as we call the music team back up, in particular as we apply this to all of us, but certainly moms, there are days when nothing goes the way that you had planned. In fact, that's probably every day. Mothering is a faith-filled reality. But the faith is not in you as a mother, and the faith is not in your children who can bring you what you desire. That's not the goal or the reality of mothering, spiritual or otherwise. But our faith must be in God, the one whom we ultimately trust our children to and with. That he will do the work in their hearts that only he can do. And if he chooses not to, that he's still good. His ways are always best, especially when they're not ours. He's good and he's great. And following him is so worth it all the way. Let's look to him in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for this day to celebrate mothers and throughout scripture. You describe yourself in mothering terms, and we thank you for your care and love and compassion for us. Father, we thank you for the author of Hebrews, 
brings forth to us this reality of faith, a faith that he is assured of in his audience and a faith then that evidences itself in certain realities and activities, which he's going to turn his attention to in chapter 12. But what a beautiful blessing to take a pause here, perhaps in our minds, a parenthesis in Hebrews 11, to define for us what faith actually is and what it looks like lived out. Father, help us to have this assurance of things hoped for, not in a wishful thinking sense, but that we have your promises. And because you never lie, because of who you are in your character, those promises are sure and true. And Father, we can have the conviction, even though we cannot see these things. We did not see them in the past, although others did and told us about them. And there are things even in the present and on in the future that we cannot see, but we believe that they are real. Not in spite of the evidence, not because there is evidence to the contrary, but because there is evidence for them. But evidence is not enough. We believe, Father, in you if we believe in you here this morning. And oh, what hope that brings, what stability that brings, what purpose that brings what foundation that brings, what surety and, and certitude that brings to our lives. We know why we're here. We know what we're supposed to do while we're here. And we know where we're going when it's all over. God, thank you for your amazing grace. We pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters for whom faith in some practical ways is even more of a reality than in our lives, even though it doesn't have to be. Father, give them hope, even in hopeless situations. Father, may we continue to trust in you and in your character today and in the days ahead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.